video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello. you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin Clue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah, and we've got a big list for you this week, right? Oh, whoa, right? some of that classic <laughs> Bay Street Video sarcasm. Of course. Is that plastic shortage still going on? I think so. We're missing a whole ton of... I think there are a whole slew of, like, Kino releases that were supposed to be out this week, and I think we got, like, one or two of them, so... Yeah. You know, you got some releases, new releases from a company that usually comes months and months and months later. But we'll get to that. I know. Actually, we'll get to it right now. (laughs) Because you just received seven releases of The Day of the Beast and Perdita Durango. Yeah. And surprisingly, these were due out last week and we got them only a week late this time. What (laughs) is going on? It's like two months. But the hilarious thing is we still don't have our severance from like January and February. So wait, what's missing? Castle the Creeping Flesh is one of them. We still don't have Attic Expeditions because they released that in like a regular edition. They're smaller titles. They're not as big as these ones. Yeah, they're not going to fly off the shelf or anything. Have you ever seen these movies before? Um, I've seen Perdita Durango before. I've never seen Day of the Beast. I can't say Alex de la Iglesia is somebody I've been that crazy about or crazy about no, trying to like especially his new movies seen Perdita Durango and one or two more I think but and I appreciate I feel like I appreciate them more than I actually love them they're just a little too zany for me and I'm not always like a huge fan of zaniness actually looking at his filmography I am in the minority that I really like the Oxford murders that he made you know what I like that movie too I am actually a fan of that that one was so shit on when it came out that I actually avoided it for ages And then I just picked up a DVD. It was like a buck somewhere. And I was like, I'll give this a spin. And I was like, oh, man, this is really fun. (laughs) Like, why do people hate this so much? Oh, totally. And it's one of his only, like, I guess, English language films. I guess aside from Perdita Durango. But, like, yeah, I I felt the same thing. I didn't get to it at first, but saw it years later because I think it was, like, on Netflix or something. I think it was on Netflix for a while. And I just finally watched it there. And, yeah, I agree with you, man. I was, like, actually quite surprised by how much i enjoyed it <laughs> i mean like i really enjoy like a shitty elijah wood horror movie you know? yeah and that cover <laughs> just generic as hell as well oh it looks so bad they definitely didn't sell it well uh, but i really like day of the beast too uh the film about a priest that has to commit sins on new year's eve so he'll be able to see the devil and then he can kill the antichrist before he's born yeah sounds like a cool premise i've always been interested in seeing this one even though i'm not like you hate zaniness i hate zaniness but i hear this is pretty zany i would assume i mean all of his stuff zany right well actually i really like 800 bullets too where a bunch of western actors have to protect a spaghetti western town that they do shows in because it's being shut down which includes like killing a bunch of cops that are trying to get in beautiful always down for that (laughs) i mean i remember it really bothered me when i saw it the first time that element i don't know if it would bother me now probably uh you know he's ahead of his time but witching and bitching pu no thank you terrible i haven't haven't caught up with any like latter day dela wait so which one did you see that you did not like just perita durango Um, perdita Durango. Perdita Durango, I liked. I sort of liked. Um, or The Last Circus was one, I guess. Yeah, that was one that a lot of people liked. Yo, I remember enjoying My Big Night. No, it wasn't My Big Night. It was something... That's one he did, I remember. Yeah, it was one that takes place over one night. It had to be My Big Night. Right. Or is it Perfect Strangers? Because I saw it at TIFF. I just kind of like stumbled into it. Yeah, Perfect Strangers. I feel like he just really... He releases a lot of movies still, and they just kind of like get... They don't really get the same kind of... Uh, 
push that he once I did. remember when he uh, was playing Witchin' and Bitchin', I found it very charming that he went out on the street and was just giving tickets to anyone that came by. See, that's really cool. I, I'm definitely down with, with that aspect. And yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I, I like have a lot of respect for, for what he's doing. Um, and these releases are pretty pretty big because these films, like I know Perdita Durango was out in like a butcher DVD with like the American cut for a while, but I don't think either of these films have been really available in their proper form on North American home video. No, Perdita Durango was a famous like bootleg one that everybody would pass around for the uncut version. And I think day the beast got dvd a long long time ago but no one had touched it since then we have an old rental copy of perdita durango but it's like the cut dvd day of the beast we don't even have it all so yeah I don't yeah know. a whole bunch of new special features that seven put together for this and they're out in 4k <laughs> you don't need them in 4k folks yeah. You know, you know. I, as I'm choking over here, yeah, uh, 4K, <laughs> yeah, Severin. You know, is this this isn't is this Severin's first 4K releases? I mean, they're releasing Santa Sangre in a couple months, right? I feel like though that they've kind of downplayed the 4K because they're also like, oh yeah, you can get it in a slipcase and the Blu-ray as well. Like they're not pushing it hard. Yeah, it looks basically the same either way. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, these are these are pretty cool. It's cool that they're giving these films like such a wide, big release on three different formats, you know? I mean, uh, they're not like little known. Like, no, it's films. just crazy it took this long for this It to has happen. to have been a right thing, right? Like, it must have been. It must have been because, I don't know, it's not like anybody seemed to, even that old Perdita Durango DVD is out of print, so I don't know who would have even owned the rights in North America. So, Severn's also putting out a scream, oh, in the streets. Uh, this one looks pretty uh pretty vile but uh <laughs> i've never not seen familiar it. with it um yeah i just read the back it's like a harry novak production so you know Oy. you know it's gonna be good and it has to do with cops after a transvestite serial killer or something like that oh no that i feel like has not aged very well you know what maybe it's really fun we've never seen it so yeah yeah it just like it looks like the kind of you know i think on the back of the box they advertise is like the kind of thing like some dirty old man would play on a projector in his basement you know or you're like dirty old <laughs> uncle would play. welcome to the cinephorum yeah, exactly right um I don't know. I mean, they give it the classic Severin treatment. So, so uh, speaking of vile, we got Nosferatu in Venice, which has strangely been like much requested. Like we have, we've been selling a lot of these things. People just love Klaus Kinski, and uh, you know, terrible person. Even though but... this film has a documentary that's eighty minutes of people getting into like the not fun dirt about how Klaus Kinski like sexual abuses people on set that that sexual assault is featured in Nosferatu in um, Venice? I've never, I mean, I know you've seen this one. I've never seen it. I was like morbidly curious just because, you know, I pitched it. I was like, I was fully ready to watch this because, you know, I, for as awful as Klaus Kinski is, I definitely, you know, have liked him as a screen presence. And, you know, I like the Herzog Nosferatu, which this is like an unofficial sequel to, I guess. Yeah, that Klaus Kinski refused to put the makeup back on, so it's just <laughs> yeah. him just, walking around. I mean, he's a monster as well. Yeah, uh, but this also has Christopher Plummer, right? And Donald Pleasance yes. in it? Yes, they are lost in the film that has like seven directors, but they are in it. Right, so yeah, so this is not good then. I, I think No. That. Speaking of old-timers in Italian horror films, the next movie we have is Sleepless. Some would argue the last uh, enjoyable Dario Argento movie. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, a coworker of mine at the store who's a huge Argento freak uh, says this is swears by this is the last good film he ever made. I actually haven't seen this one. This is one of his. I've it, missed. it is fun. Um, it has an insane gore gag that ends the film, and Max von Sydow, Sydow, is in like 
Spoiler alert, like half the movie, I think, as the protagonist. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe there's a little bit of psycho trickery going on. I mean, listen, Sleepless, (laughs) it's 19 years old. The uh, Statue of Limitations is passed. That's fine. I don't mind. I really don't care about spoilers. And it starts with like an insane, like 15 minute, like killer hunting the um, victim sequence like set in a train Ooh, i like that that's classic argento right there speaking of stuff that sounds like giallo but wait it's not giallo man i'm all about the uh, transitions yeah the segues <laughs> yeah, you're this today you're you're on point because i'm like uh ooh, death has blue what eye- no no right. it's nico <laughs> <laughs> i know i fully thought this was an italian giallo too when we first brought it in and then i saw nico's name on it nico mastrakis who has a death grip on aero video <laughs> uh, they know. must release every one of his Films. Yeah, he's like holding them hostage over there at the arrow <laughs> at the arrow office. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Some people do like. Do people do anyone really love him? Actually, I know one guy uh, who really loves him. Yeah, who who is a little bit frustrated when people are not a fan of this filmmaker because he is weird. I just don't think his films like deliver the way that I want them to. Okay, I can't actually say because yeah, I still don't think I've really seen much of his films. But many of haven't you films. seen Island of Death? I haven't Death? even seen Island of Death. No, like it's one I've been it's one I've been meaning to get to for a long time, just because of and back when I was younger and was like really into trying to check out like the most hardcore kind of like exploitation. I need to feel alive, sticking in my veins. <laughs> that was definitely on my list, and I just never got around to it for some reason. But uh, I shall, I shall. Um, but his releases definitely seem to be selling less and less oh people will definitely be tricked by this one because they think that it's a uh a giallo uh so we also have the lash of the penitents and this is another entry in the kino something weird um you know not banned movies For, but their forbidden fruit line is what they call it <laughs> yeah it says here it's actual footage of the penitents, and the penitents is exactly what you think it is, a sect of Catholic religious fanatics who engage in self-flagation. That's what it is, right. It's combined with new footage of a murder. Yeah, so they kind of, like, retook the documentary aspect and kind of, like, added to it to make it into this, like, exploitation horror movie, like they did with a lot of these things back then. Uh yeah, I don't know. People people seem to get a kick out of these. Uh, we also have Flower and Snake uh, from 1974. And this is a Japanese film, another pink erotic Japanese film, uh, directed by Masaru Konuma, who I'm not familiar with. But looking very quickly over uh, people's reviews of this, they love this movie. This is like a classic, supposedly. This is a classic of the genre. This has always done well for us on DVD. Yikes. Bondage and rape and enemas. Ooh, oh my, one review starts with. Yeah, this is really like the one of the signature films of this of this wave. And I think it spawned uh, some sequels. It spawned a remake, I think, that they did in like the late 90s or early 2000s. Is this a oh, yeah, I look here. Impulse. Oh, are they putting it out on Blu-ray? Is that why it's coming yeah, out? Again? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been on DVD for a long time, but they've re-released it now on DVD and Blu-ray for the first time. Yeah, they're they're actually doing Blu-rays now of these type of movies because um, the last few like zoom up movies they put out have been on Blu-ray. So, yeah, they were never doing that before. But I guess they realize the market's there. You know what I like about this label, though? They actually price their DVDs and Blu-rays the exact same. Interesting. Fluctuate the price or anything. Blu-rays, you know what? I don't know if they are more expensive now. I don't know. Are they? uh, A little bit more expensive, but not like double the price or anything like that. Unless... It shouldn't be, right? Well, I mean, actually... Uh, for Golden Ninja Video, the Blu-rays that I use are like top of the line, like best you can get. And they are pretty expensive. It's like double the price of the next level underneath it. Well, then so. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Golden Ninja Video. That's where, uh, you know, 
the uh, best quality you can get because I do not want your Blu-ray to fail. <laughs> I want it to last forever. You care. You care about the collection. And we also have Falcon Rising being released by MVD. This is a film, Justin, all over it. Yeah, stars Michael J. White. It's a vehicle this. for him. But then, and I knew when it was coming out, I checked and I'm like, directed by Ernie Barbarash. Oh, this is a guy <laughs> and he doesn't seem to like the movies he makes. They're unexciting. They are incredibly ugly. Oh, yeah. Um, Canadian pride, too, right? <laughs> is he Canadian? Um, I'm pretty I know, sure he's Canadian. I know he did Cube, Hypercube. He did both Cube sequels. He did Cube Zero, too. My mistake. He did not direct Cube, Hypercube. He did Cube Zero. He only produced oh, Cube right, Two. Oh, right, right. Because Cube Two was directed by the cinematographer of Cube One. Right, yeah. What um, is this useless information this, I <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> A well of useless information. But, yeah, I think he's Canadian. Or at least all of the movies he's made are Canadian. So he either is Canadian or works in Canada. Because he directed, like, a whole bunch of stinkers. Oh, man, He got yeah. together with um, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Scott Atkins. They made, like, Assassination Game, Six Bullets, Pound of Flesh. Like, movies no one likes. Oh, you know what else he made, too? He did the Stir of Echoes sequel, Stir of Echoes, yeah, the, the Homecoming. Homecoming. Which I saw when it came out. A terrible movie. Yeah, because yeah, you're a Rob Lowhead, right? right? I am. Um, he also did a crummy horror movie called They Wait, which I think played Tiff, actually, somehow. But... Um, yeah, terrible, terrible director. Uh, and he continued to do it, but I think he's fallen into the cracks of Christmas Movie Town. Oh yeah, I'm seeing that now. He, uh, I mean, that's where a lot of uh, these kind of directors go to go to retire. Right? Why are his movies not good though? Like I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I want to take him aside and be like. Like, what do you not like about horror films or action films? It's not even that they're, like, aggressively bad, though. They just are They're just aggressively mediocre. Yeah, they're just, like, TV movies. Like, I remember the Stir of Echoes sequel just... I mean, it was, like, a DTV sequel, but it just felt like a TV movie to me. And so did, like, They Wait. I remember when I saw that. They just don't... They have no substance to them. They have no style to them. They've got, like, no sort of any sort of like uh, vision or not that I expect vision from these kind of movies but you know they just don't even have like a point of view at all it's just like TV movie directing yeah his stir of echoes too didn't hold a candle to white noise too no. <laughs> starring Nathan Fillion directed by Patrick Lucier yes which I have seen as well uh, definitely white noise too is much better than stir of echoes too even though <laughs> it has such a fatalistic ending that I'm like this is not fun yeah I know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's bleak um, so uh, moving on we have running time being released oh, wait, wait, by but Synapse sorry, is, is Falcon Rising terrible then i feel like oh falcon rising is <laughs> just a terrible movie <laughs> i feel like yeah, never not good. Get... would not recommend even for michael j whitehead if you watch the action scenes online see like the weird angles the like different cameras they use for some reason like while shooting it like when i think of ernie barbash i always think of like cutting to like a high angle and the camera's like really bright also terrible sound effects just like a whole package of like like, the people making this didn't care that much. This is a hilarious choice for MVD to be putting out, too, since this is pretty recent, too, right? This only came out, like, five or six years ago. It must have numbers. Like, on, on I always see it on, like, uh, VOD platforms. Right. So, mm. yeah, it must be making numbers like Roadhouse 2 did. <laughs> so, Roadhouse 2. From Synapse, we have Running Time. This is the Josh Becker film, who was the uh, little brother of the Sam Raimi troupe, because he was one of the only people who stayed on when they made The Evil Dead right. uh, the first time. And he has an amazing journal that he wrote while shooting Evil Dead. And it's so, like, arrogant. I think it's published in the Evil Dead companion book. He's like, look at these. Like, they don't know what they're doing. I could do this so much <laughs> faster and more stylish. And, yeah, he's always been a little bit stuck up. He has an amazing book called 
how to make a movie for less than like, I don't know, $100,000 or something like that. And he has a thing where he's like, listen, you need like half a mil to make a real movie. If you can't get that, don't bother. It's like, oh, my God. And yeah, his movies, he did Thou Shall Not Kill, except. Right. Yeah, I forgot. Not a big fan of that one. Um, which Synapse also put out. He also did Lunatics, a love story, a film that people may be uh, shocked to hear. I've never seen, even though it stars Ted Raimi in one of his rare stars. Yeah, roles. I thought that would have been every right time up I started, alley, I get yeah. distracted. Don't come back to it. Uh, Umbrella Entertainment had announced a big special edition of the movie, and then they just put the movie out. So I'm wondering what happened there. Synapse has that film like oh up yeah their sleeve. i feel like that's primed for a release from synapse at some yeah it's point. weird that it hasn't come out yet or severin because they did skinner as well uh the other ted raimi starring film and running time is the gimmicky like it's one take real time bruce campbell gets out of jail does a bank robbery uh, i just watched this for the first time this week actually uh, because you know i'd always been interested i can always get behind a good gimmick I have to admit it didn't do much for me. I mean, I definitely enjoy I enjoy the shooting style of it. I enjoy like the gritty like streets of Los Angeles kind of thing. And Bruce Campbell's always great. Um I don't know. I just couldn't get that. It just kind of felt like once you get past the gimmick, it's just kind of your typical sort of like heist gone wrong type narrative and which just didn't really didn't really do it much for me. I, and I think some of the I mean some of it's a little dated in terms of the dialogue being kind of you know offended they throw around like the f-bomb a lot which is but i mean i guess you're talking about criminals so it's not that you know it's, we talk a lot about like terry post tarantino ripoff kind of stuff and I, I have to admit parts of this kind of felt like that post tarantino kind of schlock sort of thing but i do really enjoy like the craft of it i'll say that and it looks really good on this blu-ray remember enjoying running time when i watched it on dvd and felt that like it really runs out of steam in its last 20 it minutes yeah i felt the same thing there were moments of this that i really really liked uh and that were really kinetic and then there are moments of it that just kind of dragged for me and especially and it just kind of end. ends too it's like that's it you're like that's it like the credits yeah and it ends on the romance i'm not sure how i feel about the romance subplot that it kind of just pivots to like it's okay. Like I, I kind of, I see what he's doing, but I just, I guess I don't, I'm not invested enough in these characters to buy this like, you know, high school romance that's kind of like reconnected now. But uh, yeah, no, I can see why people are like a huge, I feel like if I had seen this when I was younger, um, like, and I was just like around more of the time, I would have been like blown away by it. But I've also seen a lot of things like this now, I guess, you know, the one take thing has kind of been played out a lot. So. I, I was recently writing a booklet for a Blu-ray and I was giving suggestions to get your film attention. And I said, don't shoot your film in one yeah, shot. <laughs> shoot it in one take, though, with no actual cut. Yeah. Now that's doing something. But if you do that, then you get defined by that. You won't be able to get out of that. Like, think of a one-take filmmaker who that was their first film. They've been able to go beyond that. And that's the thing, right? It does define Like, the you. Russian art guy, he did... Uh, like before that and after that films that weren't one take but he's a one take guy he'll always be he'll the always one take be known guy. for russian arc you know uh the guy who made like the guys who made victoria too i feel like they had yeah they're really... the one take guys oh there was another one that i listed uh oh uh what is it the one was the bomb oh um pv yeah we talked about that pvc one yeah that was good i did like that yeah, but that guy was another one but, take yeah guy. like what like... happened to that guy yeah <laughs> Uh, with running time, though, there are, like, cuts, obviously. Like, there are a few moments you can obviously tell they're cuts. But, but yeah, for the most part, 
like I do dig the style of it. I like the black and white shooting style. Um, yeah, I like a lot about it. Um, but yeah, moving plot, on to the yeah. classics, we only have one. <laughs> we film, got one thing here, yeah, and it's an incomplete one. The Man in Search of His Murderer, Robert Siodbex. Uh Looks interesting though. I mean, it's got a script from co-written by Billy Wilder too, which mm-hmm. um, and Robert Siodmak's brother, Kurt Siodmak. But it's only fifty-three it minutes is, long. Yeah, uh, like the plot though. It's kind of like a black comic satire about a guy who uh, wants to be murdered or something. It's nice that um, Kino's putting this out but only an audio commentary you got to give me a little bit more if it's just a 53 minute movie i know it's like it's part of their line of like you know older 20s 30s german films and like definitely a cool find because i don't think this has ever been out on any sort of no, format it's never before. been released yeah probably because people are wait, like, who's gonna pay for a 53 minute movie i know well they're putting billy wilder's name like right on the front too so i think they're trying to sell it on that but yeah they haven't done much with it i'd like a lot more context behind something like this uh, so let's move to the news section. No, 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 no. We're on to new movies, Mark, and right off the take top, it away. we've got Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which is the you know only comedy it seems like anybody's talking about uh, these days. Did you see this movie? I have. It's funny. Is it funny? Yeah, I like Kristen Wiig. I like Annie Momolo. Uh, like I like Bridesmaids a lot. Um, so it also co-stars the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't remember James Dorian. I think his name Jamie is Dorian. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Dorian. Jimmy Dorian. <laughs> let's just call him. And Jimmy he's Dorn. really funny in it. He has like this big musical number. Really. Uh, in the middle of the film like out of nowhere that's really funny because so, usually yes. i do not like him as an actor i find him like super bland and boring but oh yeah. no he goes like full ham in this which is really fun like he has sex with both women multiple times in the movie uh, okay okay that's good to see that's good to see i like when they take like kind of bland leading men and you know show their comedic side show their and it's side. also like a friend's project because the two stars of the film Kirsten Wig and I can't remember the name of the other person. Even, Annie Momoa. Yeah, who's in a lot of stuff. Like, they co-wrote the film, they star in it, like, doing characters they obviously love to do, so. Uh, moving on, we've got Shadow in the Cloud, which is the new horror movie with Chloe Grace Moretz uh, from Roseanne Liang, who, uh, yep. and it's, uh, written uh, by uh, and Roseanne Liang at <laughs> uh, Max, Max Landis. Max Landis. <laughs> Who, who definitely didn't have, like, anything to do with this, and they changed it, but he's still credited, so, uh, um, I don't know, I didn't see this, I know this was a big, kind of, like, one of the only Midnight Madness titles at TIFF last year. It um, really suffers from being all CG. Uh, okay. Yeah, because, like, the first 30 minutes, Chloe Grace Moretz is, like, trapped in a, like, gun turret, and you can just hear the voices of, like... Um, the people like making fun of her trying to get out like she can't get out of the thing and then she does get out she like crawls around on the airplane and it's all like cg and you're like i don't know like shot it in a warehouse space like on dark and just shown lights at her or something like that like it just takes you right out of it yeah okay okay i mean i like the twilight zoney kind of premise to it and yeah, melding war and horror. Interesting. I'm There's an insane shot where she's that's in the trailer where she falls out of the plane and an explosion goes off, which propels her back into the plane. Oh, that nice. I like. Okay. Give me more crazy bullshit like that. But when the person's on the side of the plane, they're like, oh, I'm struggling so much. And it's like all CG around them. It's like, I don't buy it, man. Speaking of crazy bullshit, we've got uh, the new film from Neil Marshall, The Reckoning. What happened to uh, so Neil you watch this? Marshall? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't seen this i don't think i've seen a neil marshall movie since uh doomsday actually i mean i haven't seen this film and i am a hellboy 
uh, Defender, his previous film. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting he did. So, yeah, he did the good version, the new good version of Hellboy, Well, Hell Boy, I mean, right? nobody liked it, so... <laughs> but, you know, I, but I think I people did. talked about it. But people did not seem to like this movie. I remember this came with a lot of, you know, buzz. Um, it's like a medieval-type action <sighs> Another movie, medieval like, one? Like, oh, my God. I don't know. Yeah, I just had no interest in this. I remember when it was playing at Fantasia, I was, like, kind of mulling it over. I was going to watch it, and then I just didn't. Um, but I heard the reviews were kind of not so great on this oh yeah i checked i was like oh new neil marshall maybe i should check the oh man no they hate it i mean i really like uh dog soldiers and the descent obviously i love him like his early stuff obviously like yeah especially the descent was i I saw doomsday theatrically i did too i i also saw it just because i was like so into him at the time and i was very disappointed by doomsday (laughs) and like i said i don't think i've seen anything from him since to be honest so i mean what else has he made i don't know right like yeah the hellboy i forgot about um but i mean doomsday was like what 2007 or something that was a long time ago he used to have so many projects in development did like he was gonna do a movie called Burst. Oh, he did Centurion. Oh, Centurion. That's what you I know, forgot. I, yeah, I never saw. I missed that one too. So, but yeah, he's done TV here and there. Yeah, he became okay. like lost in space. I think he was like the executive producer on it because he directed the pilot. Yeah, so he's you know been working, just not in movies necessarily. But uh, moving on, we've got some foreign stuff. We got some French films. We got Bruno Dumont's latest Joan of Arc. He's got this guy is obsessed with Joan of Arc. He's got a new Joan of Arc movie, which I think is like a sort of sequel to Jeanette Childhood of Joan of Arc. Uh, haven't seen these movies, but these are very well. Acclaimed. It is the law that you have to make a Joan of Arc movie. Robert Bresson did, Jacques Rivette did, <laughs> oh, yeah. Bruno Dumont did. Are these still musicals? Heavy metal, heavy metal musicals? I didn't think this one was, but I could be wrong i'm actually i'm not very well informed on these ones but the, um, the first one was the first one was for sure this one it's not listed as a musical so i think this is a little more of like a classic joan of arc yeah because do i need another joan of arc why like i don't know man <laughs> two hours and 17 minutes bruno come on you're killing you me know, people love bruno he can just do whatever he wants at this point uh, we've also got Back Home, which is a French film uh, about a guy who goes back to back home <laughs> to his family's farm and works there. Uh, it stars Adele Exarchopoulos. I'm mangling that name. The, the um, lady from Blue is the Warmest Color. Uh, we've also got some Spanish films here. We've got Carmen and Lola, which is about the romance between two Roma women. Diana, which is about a like a high-end uh, call girl and this guy. They have some like it all takes place in a room as they try and figure out their identities and everything we've got the night of two moons which looks kind of weird it's about a woman who's pregnant and then finds out that the baby she's carrying does not carry her dna and then moving on we've got birds without feathers which is a interesting looking like american indie film uh, which is kind of about a bunch of weird people that the quote on the front cover just says fellini meets todd salons meets david lynch <laughs> sure okay checks all the boxes for me so <laughs> i'll probably maybe check this out at some point uh, we've got Instant Dreams, which is an interesting looking like documentary fiction hybrid about uh, the Polaroid camera, actually, and like about scientists figuring out like the chemical 
like uh, compounds to make Polaroids, but then it's also like a fictional thing about artists using Polaroids. I don't know. I've, I've heard some interesting things about this. And what it's is nice this company see. Synergetic that is releasing the last six films that I you know. mentioned? We basically just got like a haul of their stuff. They're just like an indie company that releases like smaller, kind of like smaller stuff that falls through the cracks, but they still do release, yeah, like well-acclaimed sort of independent foreign films. We basically just like, these are kind of new releases from them over the last few months and we get them from one supplier and they all kind of just arrived at the same time. So a bunch of these are late from the last few months, but yeah, we got a whole haul of synergetic titles, so check them out. Uh, and then we've got some sci-fi. We've got Doors, which is like an anthology oh, no. sci-fi movie. I'm, I'm hearing pretty terrible things about this, but they're trying to make it look pretty cool. But It's a film about Doors. It's a film about what alien doors that pop up around the Earth, and then I guess it's like a series of stories about these doors. I don't know. It looks kind of lame. Uh, we've also got, uh, in a horror territory, Sacrifice, which is a uh, generic title dun, 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 canadian dun. film right I no this was uh, like, i'm just looking at imdb yeah, it says this is canada a, well sac- yeah this is with barbara crampton no who it's makes uk 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 it takes place in norway though it's about like a couple who go back to like a norwegian island i like that barbara crampton is happy and working you know i love barbara crampton and you know it's great that she what was does the last barbara crampton movie you loved uh that's a great question but you know what <laughs> she's in a new movie right now with larry fessenden that's supposed to be really good uh jacob's wife jacob's have you wife heard about this yes i have because isn't it directed by travis stevens the it man is. who made the film with um the wrestler that we talked about yeah, a few weeks ago C- cm punk oh yeah because i'm looking here what else is barbara crampton she was in run hide fight uh-oh because she was part of the Cinestate crew. She was, yeah. So she was going to be in all there because she was also in Puppet Masters of Little Little Strike. And I believe that Castle Freak was a Cinestate film, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We talked about that. I remember. Yeah. I mean, she still works like crazily. She still does like tons of movies. So. Yeah, ever since Simon Barrett and Adam Winger brought her back for Your Next because she hadn't acted for like, well, she was on Young, Young and the Restless from 1987 right. to 2007. Yes. She was in 139 episodes. That's really awesome. So yeah, I, I don't know if this movie is any good. I, I don't really know what the reviews are I'm like. I'm surprised you but... didn't pick this one for our blind buy yeah, this week. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I kind of looked at it and I was like, nah, this just looks like, it was like, you know, a sinister cult movie on like a Yeah, annoyed... but you love sinister cult movies. I'm actually not as into the sinister cult thing anymore. I'm just kind of like burnt out on it, you know? I've just seen too many of these kind of movies, and it just felt like this is something I've seen like a hundred times before, but it might be good. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's only two movies that, uh, left on this list. And I am sickened that you didn't pick the last one we're going to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we can we can get there. But first, we've got to get to this week's Blind, Blind by. Whoa. And, and it's a movie called, very confusingly, Confu- Nobody. Nobody. And it's not the new Nobody with no. Bob Odenkirk. Just That's to the only that. reason it's coming out now. That's the only reason it's coming out. And it's kind of a stretch to call this a new movie since it came out in yeah, 2007. 2007. But I didn't feel like it should be in like the classic section or anything. Anyways, this is a Canadian film. So I felt like we had to do our CanCon duty here a little bit. And it's from a director named Sean Linden. It's his first film. And you might know his name because he's kind of big right now because he directed Hunter Hunter, that new werewolf horror movie, which is getting very good reviews. I haven't seen that yet, but I definitely will because it stars Devin Sawa and Nick Stahl in the same wow. movie. Wow, so much, uh, you know, powerhouses. I know, I know. I'll definitely be checking that out at some point. But this is that director's first movie, which he shot in Manitoba. It stars... 
Costas Mandylor, remember him, uh, who I guess is probably best known for his role in the Saw series at this point, which I, I figured oh, you would know him. Oh, he played the real Jigsaw, did. that's right. He did, but he was, you know, he was bigger, I guess. He's an Australian actor, he's bigger in the 90s, I guess, but... Uh, so he is in this. He plays a, a nameless assassin who's wandering through like a deserted town, chasing after a guy, like a crime boss that he's killed, who is now back to life or something. I'm going to be completely honest. I had no idea what was going on in this movie half, half the time. Uh, and what, I think you that's didn't kind like of the it's point. Lynchian style, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the point. Clearly, this guy's going for a David Lynch vibe. You know, it's it's all that like it almost has that like Inland Empire kind of vibe where he's just like running around this like dark, snowy town. So visually ugly. I mean, the best thing I could say, it definitely feels like something I would have, you know, like a, a film school kind of like a film student project. You know, when you're first starting to get your feet wet and you're like really wearing your influences on your sleeve. I want this person to look like, um, you know, a character in a David Lynch movie. Put the blackface on him. For large stretches of this, Costas Mandalore dons blackface like really really dark blackface which i don't think is supposed to be like a racial thing but i mean it just you know whenever you're using blackface in a movie it always has racial connotations so i I don't know how i feel about that i think he's doing it just to like hide his identity but whatever you know um but yeah this kind of revolves around you know a hotel where this guy's staying and they kind of they replay the same scenes over and over again from like different angles i was gonna say are you gonna go into the plot of this like nothing happens in this movie i mean did you understand what was going on in this no, movie half the I, time? I didn't understand i was like yeah, i don't like this and i would say like half an hour into it i was starting to like clue out i just was like it was just kind of on as i was like i was just trying to let it wash over me i'm like i don't i'm not even gonna try and understand this and then it just kind of ends you know it just ends you know i feel like he got what he wanted out. I feel like this is what he wanted out of this movie I just don't like it doesn't he doesn't get you invested in this world enough so it's hard to get on board with it but what did you think what did you, you have a lot no, of no I didn't like it this, no right? blind buy would not <laughs> no recommend blind. yeah I, like I don't I feel bad like shitting over like uh, you know first time I mean I guess I don't feel bad because he's like making real movies now and he's doing yeah fine. Hunter Hunter came out and uh, hey this is a real movie Mark how yeah, dare you this, I mean this is clearly a first film effort it's very low budget it's you know, it, I, I don't know. I just I guess it kind of part of it resonates with me because I feel like this is something I could have made when I was like, in, you know, coming out of film school and like was you would really have gotten fresh. the fun to dress people in mob town costumes of to run around. Not, of course not. I think this movie would have been a lot better if just like the camera work, if it just had a little bit more visual appeal to it, because I feel like there's almost like a dark city kind of vibe that he's going for. But it just looks so ugly so much of the time so moving on something you definitely enjoyed right override (laughs) so last yeah last on the list we've got you know i saved that vod crap for last on the list override which is also known as ria is a the new luke goss action movie we talked about him back when we did uh pay dirt back for blind that's right oh wait are you it sounds like in your voice you didn't watch this mark i didn't really watch this and the reason is I didn't really like that. I really hated that Luke Goss movie we watched. Pay Dirt. <laughs> Pay Dirt was so bad. I don't really Ugh, care awful. for Luke Goss as a leading man. And the only reason I was intrigued by this movie is because Dean Cain is in yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Batman Dean Cain. As Batman Dean Cain, who is really an awful person, awful Trump supporter and like anti-abortionist and just, you know, he's just a terrible person. But, um, you know, I've always got a soft spot for Dean Cain. I've watched so many bad movies with him. But you know what? I just... 
I threw it on in the store just to get like a taste of it to see if I would want to watch it. And were you like, oh god. Oh, it's bad, man. So basically the plot, it's like a sci-fi movie where it actually focuses on like a female humanoid in the year 2040 who is basically just like programmed to be, you know, somebody's wife and like basically like sex slave. So like she is Luke Goss's wife from what I could tell, like robot wife, and he programs her, reprograms her to <sighs> uh, try and assassinate like a government's agent's son or something like that. I think Dean Kane is like the government person. I was like only half paying attention to this, but it looks – it all pretty much takes place in like one room, one house. So I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> is Billy Zane there? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. If Billy Zane was there, I would have watched this for sure. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's mostly this one actress playing this like robot lady who's just looking in the mirror a lot. And there's like some really crap shoddy like CGI effects on like the mirrors and everything to, to like show it's like a futuristic world. I don't know. I just like I looked up the director. He's just done a lot of crap. He works with Dean Kane a lot, so you know that explains the Dean Kane connection. Did you watch the Soska Sisters movie that they made with Dean Kane where he's in prison? No, no, no. That was like a WWE film, right? Like, yeah, I was always intrigued by that, but I never, never got around to You're it. You're not a Kaniac. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was You're looking a Zaniac, at Kaniac, but not a Kaniac. Not as much of a Kaniac. I fell off Dean Kane recently, more so just yeah, because if he's he wasn't like, like if Billy Zane came out and he was like all these like Trump supporters like who knows maybe he is that would be tough as well like you'd be like Oof. but i think it was yeah dean kane's been doing this like christian stuff for a long time now that i've just like i don't care about him anymore i guess oh well i guess he was an agent toby barks i forgot i'm just looking <laughs> so i guess i saw him in that he's he like jesus god would not give sentience know, to right? this animal that um you know when he dies he has no soul so he doesn't even go anywhere he actually does a lot of animal movies so apart from christian movies he does a lot of movies about dogs and horses so that's cool i guess um awesome yeah so but, um, that's it that's, on that note we're done it. we're done that's all i got that's that's the whole list i think we'll have a bigger list next week when all this late stuff shows oh up. wait we have an update though toronto's going into lockdown again a stay-at-home order after we made fun of it last week now all the businesses are actually closed well they're closed except for curbside pickups so yes, but you actually, shouldn't be out you shouldn't be out but you know everything's still kind of open i mean it honestly does people are call called us all day yesterday being like oh you guys gonna be closed tomorrow and, and you're like it does not affect us this is how we've been doing it since the beginning this literally hasn't changed a single thing since november when everything first you know went back to like kind of shutting down for curbside service so you know they keep saying it's a lockdown they keep saying non-essential business i saw so many tweets saying not essential businesses are closed and that's it and it's like that's well, not they're true not. they're not closed like i still have to go into work every day so i mean and i'm still not eligible for a vaccine so what aren't you in a hot zone uh not hot enough <laughs> no yeah there's a hot zone just north of me like a five yeah, minute walk, no i think i'm but... in the same kind of area as you so i think we're not really eligible so yeah just north of us is where uh the virus is popping supposedly so we're not for what sounds like our government is like mobile hotspot, so it's like I guess an ice cream machine. Like they're yeah, gonna play, yeah, right? like... <laughs> just giving out shots, <laughs> shots and ice cream. I would like a shot and some ice cream, but you know, I just think anybody who has to, who actually has to go out and work in the world, who can't work from home, should be like more priority. I agree, but that's not the way our government sees it because our government is. Uh, 
is her is horrendous is is horrendous <laughs> and as we usually end our podcast last few weeks we talk about how bad the government is <laughs> we, we talk about how bad, yeah like it's actually at the point i would rather be living in the u.s at this point to be completely yep, honest as uh my pal matthew pointed out because he came from la to the u.s he's like ontario currently has three times as many um people infected as la has right oh my now. god and you saw like obviously the travel advisory like we are officially like they're telling people not to travel oh, to really? Canada now. Good. like on the official cdc yeah on the official cdc website there's like a travel advisory for canada saying you should well, avoid ontario going has to canada. more uh, infections right now than they ha- ever have ever- it's crazy it's crazy so all right yep that's where we are and on that note well, we're still going strong with curbside we bring pickup. a smile to your face by ordering you to keep on buying please do please do but obviously we don't want you to come out and come down to the store if you don't feel safe because it's not safe out there but we do ship as well so and we will even if you want stuff and or you pre-order stuff we will hold it to you for you until you feel safe to come down if you don't keep want it shipped. on buying <laughs> and keep on renting safely safely, safely people Not Dean Cain movies either. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. You know, I'm protesting Dean Cain now. That's why I didn't watch Override. Get your Dean Cain vaccine booster. I know. I pretend like I'm so high and mighty. Like, I'll never watch another Dean Cain movie. And then, you know, he'll make, you know, Agent Toby Barks too. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, oh, he's a talking dog. I like talking dogs.